Section 7 of The Rover, Volume 1, Number 20. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Wizard Doctor. The Rover, Volume 1, Number 20, edited by Seba Smith and Lawrence Labrie. Section 7 The Miser's Wife by Elizabeth Oakes Smith. It was certainly most provoking that the pretty Mrs. G would parade so often her little round, handsome figure in the door of their little grocery and fancy goods shop, to the evident disquietude of her husband and the annoyance of sundry beaux, who looked on her beauty and thought of Hesperian fruit, so well was she guarded by a vigilant husband and her own innocent heart. Anna was nearly thirty years younger than her husband, a little thin, keen-eyed old man, supposed to be worth a bank of money, but as nobody knew how much, everyone gave the sum according to his or her ideas in such matters. All, however, agreed he was a rich man, and Anna married him because, forsooth, the old man asked her to have him and because her little head had got filled with thoughts of gay ribbons, handsome shoes for her little feet, and handsome dresses to show off her pretty shapes. Though it puzzled her little brain for a while to know why he should want her for a wife, yet a glance at her looking-glass solved the problem at once, and she smiled at her own prettiness, and the thought that her influence would make him a generous social being, capable of loving and being beloved, and she would have his neglected house newly furnished and painted, and she would have little parties, and walk and ride, and have abundance of new and elegant clothing. T'was a brilliant vision, and she would have him by all means. Now it so happened that not one of these things had entered into the cogitations of Mr. G. The girl was well enough, he thought, she had a good-natured look that pleased him, but she had other qualities that pleased him better. He had heard the schoolmaster say she was capital at figures, and he had seen her penmanship and knew she wrote a fair round hand. So he calculated the expense of keeping a clerk and a housekeeper, and he found a wife who could help tend his shop and look after his house at the same time would be much the cheapest, and he determined forthwith to make the experiment. Anna knew nothing of all this, and she married him without hesitation. Week after week passed on, and Anna was astonished to find she had no more influence over her husband than over one of his sugar casks. Everything was locked as snug from her as from anybody else, and as for his purse, she hadn't seen a farthing from it. What was she to do? Her wedding clothes had been worn everywhere. She had been told a hundred times how becoming they were, and she was sick of the sound. And then they began to look a little shabby. She began to pout, and sometimes fairly cried with vexation. She might as well have pouted for an owl to see her. It is doubtful whether he observed it. She grew pale and nervous, and went to bed one day and sent word to him he must get a housekeeper, for she was sick. The old man was astounded. He had just dismissed his clerk, hoping by the help of his wife in the shop to get along without one. 
thus carrying into effect his original purpose of dispensing with clerk and housekeeper too and now the thought of having to hire both again went like a dagger to his heart what was he to do he hastened to her bedside poor anna was weeping bitterly his heart was touched he put his hand into his pocket and taking out a fourpence halfpenny pressed it without speaking into her hand anna looked up and a suppressed smile almost played over her features if she were sick the round fair cheek and little dimpled hand looked strangely comfortable she looked at the fourpence and thought how very little it would buy and she burst into another flood of tears mr g fidgeted and fumbled in his pockets he had never seen her act so before anna i've dismissed my clerk and there's nobody in the shop i thought you could help me tend and keep the accounts so that i could do without one but if you are going to be sick i shall have to go right off and hire another her face brightened it will be cheaper for you to employ me than another said she oh yes we could get along very snug if you'll help me in the shop well i'll do the best i can in the house and shop too for two dollars a week two dollars a week ejaculated the husband eyeing with a wishful look the fourpence halfpenny his wife was carelessly twirling in her taper fingers two dollars a week to my own wife and support her into the bargain anna turned up her little nose at the idea of support well said she carelessly turning her head on one side you can get another his board will be something though yes i know that more than his wages these fellows turn up their noses at good plain food such as is wholesome to be eaten and you indulge them too much in their dainty greediness but anna how often must i pay you i suppose it would be cheaper at that than to get a clerk every saturday answered anna with a quiet composure I shouldn't work a second week till the first was paid. Mr. G. groaned aloud. Anna, what will folks say of it? Pay my own wife? Anna, I have to work hard. I should think you would be willing to help me without pay. I married you because I thought you superior to the rest of women, and now you serve me so. His hand unconsciously clinched his pocket, and his head sunk upon the bed anna was immovable you can get another clerk and not pay your money to me yes but the board and the waste anna i will pay it to you and i will fix you a box with a hole in the cover just large enough to drop the money in you can keep it then and not spend it for foolish things anna tried to suppress a laugh and started considering her sickness with amazing alacrity from her bed she was forthwith installed into the mysteries of shopkeeping her books were kept in the most perfect neatness and order and her small fingers and good eyes were just the things in selling needles pins and ribbons the old man's customers increased daily money never came in so fast before we will not presume to tell how it was but scarcely ever did a passer-by catch a glimpse of anna as she stood carelessly leaning against the post of the door with one little foot half projecting over the sill but he suddenly bethought himself of the necessity of purchasing a pocket-handkerchief 
a few cigars, or some buttons for a coat. Some, however, came in for no other ostensible purpose than to chat a while with the grocer's pretty wife and admire her fine eyes. Often and often did poor Mr. G. feel that he saved nothing but the board of a clerk, and the constant vigilance he was obliged to exercise was more than equivalent to that. But then his business was better, and his accounts in better order. So after wearying himself with remonstrances, he only groaned in silence. The money-box he had made for Anna contained nothing but his first and last gift, the fourpence halfpenny, and in spite of all he could urge to the contrary, Anna had expended a part of her weekly wages in painting and new furnishing their little parlor, to say nothing of the new gowns and bonnets and ribbons with which she embellished her own pretty figure. She was rigorously punctual in exacting her whole wages every Saturday, and the poor old man was obliged to comply on pain of losing her services for the next week. Anna was always good-natured, managing things in her own way, hearing his long lectures and reproofs with the most immovable philosophy, and his groans and wailings over her extravagance with the firmness of a stoic. She never thought of reasoning with him or rebelling at his unconscionable long philippics on the extravagance of the age. She adjusted the rich braids of her hair, arranged her muslins, and altered and fixed till all looked becoming with perfect nonchalance. He lectured and she listened, and so it passed day after day. Tis true, when he heard the merry tones of her voice half bantering with a customer, he would seem to be on nettles till he was gone. He often urged her to keep out of the shop door and not peep so often from the window. But all to no purpose. She had a pretty face, and she would show it. A becoming dress, and the neighbors should know it. The men might admire, and the women envy. Sometimes the poor grocer would just get his head down into the pork barrel to weigh a piece for the purchaser, when the lively tones of his wife's voice would arrest his ear, and in his eagerness to see who she was talking to, down would go the piece of pork, splattering the brine in every direction and wasting salt enough for a man's dinner. He once wasted two or three gallons of molasses, a loss which he deplored for months afterwards, in his eagerness to run upstairs to see who was talking with his wife, and the measure in the meanwhile was depositing all it could not hold on the cellar floor. He spilt the sugar, scattered the tea, and all on his wife's account. She kept him in a constant fidget, while she seemed entirely undisturbed herself. Some of my readers, perhaps, will think little Anna a marvelously happy wife, while some will believe she had a goodly share of trials. Some will commiserate the condition of poor Mr. G., while others will believe he deserved it. At any rate, if their lives answered no other purpose, they served to teach them one general truth, viz., that the superannuated old miser who marries a giddy girl, hoping to make a saving in expenditure, will generally find himself woefully mistaken, and the inconsiderate girl who marries without affection or respect, only with the hope of gratifying a silly vanity, 
will be pretty sure to wish her cake was dough again. End of section 7